Okay, here we go. Let's give a brief review of what we've been covering so far. We are, our pivot is on the Tosos on Daf Beis Amar Aleph with the opening word Mivareich. Tosos there on Beis Amar Aleph explain that when the Mishnah that we're going to see later that says that at night you make two brachos before and two brachos after Shema with the three, with the two brachos before and one bracha after Shema in the morning, you get to our magic number seven. And that's not just because we like the number seven, but there's a pasuk in Tehillim that refers to praising Hashem seven times a day. So you understand that this is a reference to Birchos Priyashma. That's the Tosos. Okay, keep that in mind. He says it's a Yerushalmi. This then leads Tosos to ask, remember, still on Be'ezim and Al. If so, why do we say another bracha, which would bring the total up to eight and therefore ruin the whole Dvar Torah? So he says that eighth bracha is not the eighth bracha. It has nothing to do with Kriyashma. That bracha was instituted for other reasons. And the other reasons are so to wait for people so to allow more time for people who are still in shul. On this point, Tosos adds, and this will become very important today, hopefully, if we get to this point. Tosos says that was only in their shuls that were out in the fields, and there was danger coming home at night alone. But in our shuls, there's no need to wait unless it's nighttime. Tosos there, this is and I keep on mentioning that because we're going to have to have our hands in three Tosas here. So the Tosas here is saying that the issue is danger. If there's no danger, it's not night, then don't worry about it. Leaving somewhat of an option, which is as yet undefined to us, that maybe it would be justifiable for a shul, not to say this bracha of Yeruei name, okay? That's the Tosas there. Now, the Gilion Hashas, which are the, these footnotes that are put into many of the more recent Gemaras of the past century, not the Sensino edition, which is a print that predates Rabbi Kiva Eger. Or, um, the Gilion Hashas says, please everybody take a look at Tosas on Dalit Amud Beis. So we jump over to the Tosas on Dalit Amid Beis, and we learn some new things. He addresses the point that Tosas made on Beis Amid Aleph. However, he brings in some new elements to this that sheds some light on how we daven Mariv nowadays altogether. Not just this point, but other points as well. So I jump to 4B, as they call it in English. And over here, Tosas says, Rabbi Yochanan says, who is a ben olam haba? And who is a resident of the world to come? Someone who connects geula letfila at Mariv. Meaning Gaal Yisrael leading into Shemana Esra at Mariv. This leads Tosas to say, well, we have a big problem with that. And now I'm going to say something I did not say last week. He addresses two main problems with Rabbi Yochanan's attitude. One of them was addressed briefly by the Gemara. The Gemara says, how are you saying Hashkivenu? If 
You want to have no interruption at all. Go straight from Gaal Yisrael into Shmona Esrei. The Gemara on 4b says, how are we saying Hashkivenu? That is certainly an interruption between the words Gaal Yisrael and you're starting Shmona Esrei. So Gemara says, Geula Arichta. That's code word. What's Geula Arichta? It's an extended, a lengthened Geula. How is the Brach of Hashkivenu an extension of Gaal Yisrael? Well, we didn't talk about that much. I'll give you one explanation that has been uh, offered, is that, I heard this from Rabbi Moshe Berger here in town at the Young Israel. Rabbi Moshe, he said this to me privately. We were talking about this topic a few years back. He said, because there is a medrash that says that when the plague of the firstborn hit, which is what we're celebrating at night, as the Gemara will mention later. The Jews didn't leave until the next morning. But at midnight is when the firstborn died, and that's when Pyro came to Moshe and Aaron and said, get out of here. There is a medrash. I haven't yet seen the medrash inside the text, but I've heard it related in Shi'urim. That the, the medrash says that the Mitzrim did not all drop dead at that moment as we sometimes imagine. Rather, some dropped dead right away. Others just fell into a faint, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. They got sick at midnight and were dying throughout the night until the morning. They were in the process of dying. Pyro didn't die, so he could be there to let them out, is why Pyro himself didn't die. What? He should be there for the Amsov, yeah. We want him to be there to experience the full shebang. So the since they were dying at the time, the Jews who were alive, but the whole thing was rather, they were saying, look, we want to make it through the night. So Hashkivenu L'Shalom is an extension of Ga'al Yisrael in that we were redeemed at night and we hoped to, to make it through the night. So, if you will, it's a conceptual connection. Getting back to Tosos over here, Tosos asks what I think, I'll put it as two major problems with this idea. One is, again, Yiru but this time, if you remember, I said this, I'll repeat it. Not just Yiru but the Psukim. Although those are verses. Tosos did not mention the verses on Beis Aleph. Because he wasn't worried about psukim, he was worried about brachos, seven birchos kriyashma, not eight. So therefore, he had to explain how you're making another bracha. Over here on Dalit Amad Beis, Tosas doesn't only care about brachos, he cares about interruption. Interruption is what's bothering him. So the psukim are also an interruption. <clears throat> so to justify this, he brings up the same thing that he did on Bezim and Aleph, meaning that they instituted it so that your friend who davens longer can make it and he won't leave shul. Uh, no one, you know, people won't just leave shul alone. He uses different words, but it's the same idea. And then he had something else to justify. Now he's not just justifying the bracha, he's justifying the 18 sukim. But he says the 18 sukim our complement or keneged, or opposite, the 18 brachos of Shemona Esrei. 
So he says the main point is the brachos of Shmon Esrei, like the equivalent. And then close it off with a bracha. We discussed that a lot last week. Who says you have to close things off with a bracha? So I explained last week, a psychology that Ashkenazim certainly appreciate, but even Svartim realized this as well. It's just more present in, in Ashkenazi minhag and halacha, which is if you don't connect it to a bracha, people are not going to respect it as much. This is, there are many examples. I gave a few examples of this last week. You have this with the bracha on sukkahs, the bracha on halal. There are other brachos as well that are part of our annual rituals, if you will. And if you don't do it, if you don't make a bracha, people aren't going to take it seriously. The Gemara says, if Yom Tov Sheni, I'll bring another example, more than what I brought up last week. We all know about Yom Tov Sheni, right? Second day of Yom Tov, second Seder, second everything. Why do we make brachos on all of those days? Why don't we simply refrain from doing malacha? Meaning that's the real issue, right? Meaning, think about this. The real... <clears throat> The real issue, the way it's explained in the Gemara, is that the second day of Yom Tov has to be observed not to do malacha because of the doubt that existed back in the day. So that's only you shouldn't do malacha. Who says you should, your davening should be, right? All we, yet we do all of our davening, all of our brachos and everything on the second day of Yom Tov, just like the first day of Yom Tov. Same idea. If you don't give it the brachos of that day, People are not going to take it seriously. If you told people, listen, everybody, on the second day of Pesach, nobody go to work, nobody drive, nobody light a fire, nothing. What kind of davening? Oh, you know, just regular davening, like a Shkolomoe. I promise you, second day of Yontem would not have lasted for 10 minutes, you know, as an institution, you know, in Kuala Israel. You have to, people want to, uh, to take it seriously. Which now leads us to Tells us a second question. What is the second question? I didn't. I did not express it this way last week, so I'm expressing it now for the first time in this way. Is remember the issue here is interruption. There are two interruptions. Tosus is saying the first interruption is Baruch Hashem LaOlam. Got to explain that one. There's a second interruption, Chasikadish. We are so used to Chatsi Kaddish and Maariv, right? We're all here. We all know what it's like to go to Shul for Maariv. There's a Chatsi Kaddish, and we take it for granted. Tos was here in Dalin and Mabez is not taking it for granted. He's saying, why are we saying this Chatsi Kaddish? If even you want to make something, Geula Arichta Hashkivenu. Arichta Arichta, Baruch Hashem what do you need the Chatzikadosh for? So here, Tosa says, the Chatzikadosh is not mentioned in the Gemara. I just want to mention this because sometimes it's interesting for me to know what parts of davening are based on the Gemara. And look, most of what we think of as davening, how we daven, when it's in a Gemara, it's from Masech the Brachos. Now, the word for word we know is not in the Gemara. We sometimes have a few words here and there. Like we know, oh, this starts with Avas Olam, this starts, this is, you know, Yotzar HaMe'oros. We get little words here or there. But the Gemara does not offer us a full text of the Siddur. Tosa says, if you want to know the earliest formalized text of a Siddur that we have, it's what he called, remember, Seder of Amram Ga'on. You have to remember, this is just even useful for people just like Jewish history. 
Seder Rav Amram Gaon. And in Seder of Amram Gaon, he throws a Chatzi Kaddish in there between this Yiru Einenu and Shmona Esra. So And this is, I'll, I'm not going to call it upsetting, but I'll tell you, it's upsetting to some people. I'll tell you once where it was upsetting to me. It's upsetting because Tosas, well, we throw that Chatzik in because Arvid Tfilas I saw there was a disconnect. I'm sorry. I hope everyone can still hear me. If it's optional, then who cares? <laughs> Meaning, not who cares about life. Meaning, who cares about your connecting Geula Litvila? So Tosus himself is not comfortable with it, but he doesn't know what to do with it. He says, Velonahira, Dim Kane, Rabbi Yogan, Sphere Rabbi Yochanan, who's the one who we're talking about on 4b, says you do have to daven Marib. There's no wiggle room. So all Tosus is left with to say is, Nochon Lahachmir. It's proper to be strict. But what, what does he say you should be strict about? Don't schmooze. Right? Don't schmooze between the end of Birchos Kriyashma and Shmona Esrei at night. Now, Tosus doesn't say you should be strict and not schmooze between Gaal Yisrael and Shmona Esrei in the morning, because between Gaal Yisrael and Shmona Esrei in the morning, it's usur, it's forbidden. You can't even say amen to Gaal Yisrael. They don't want you to do, have any interruption whatsoever. Tosis is saying, look, it's not that strict because the rabbis had a position where there was wiggle room, whether you even have to daven Shman Israel together. So since there is that wiggle room, all I can tell you is Nachon Lahachmir. Now, Nachon Lahachmir is every rabbi's greatest fear because a balabas, or a rabbi for that matter, who hears the words Nachon Lahachmir which means it's appropriate to be strict, knows, okay, rabbi, wink, wink, say no more, blah, 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 talk, talk, talk. Meaning, I'm not a nachon lahachmir kind of guy. You know, you have, the you have, tell me, rabbi, is it usher, is it forbidden, or is it allowed? Well, 
it's appropriate to be strict. Okay, Rabbi, take a hike. I, I, you, thank you very much for, you know, it's like, uh, you know what it reminds me of? You know, I, we've all had this. Um, Kashra's warnings. When somebody says about a product, you know this one, uh, the OU or whoever, and they say, such a product you call them, and they say, is not recommended. You're like, okay, not recommended, thank you. Do I have to kosher my pots? No. Okay. Not recommended. Thank you. So who ca who cares about the not recommended? A good from Jew, Yore Shamayim, you know. But what if you have a guy who's like, okay, I'm not I'm not on that level. So you can take your not recommended and put it where the sun don't shine because I, I I don't need to be that strict. There are such people in the world. So, but when the OU or whoever comes out and says such and such product has an unauthorized OU. This product is not kosher. Then you know they mean it, right? Meaning they're not just telling you to hedge your bets and not to take chances. They're saying this product is traif. That's a totally different issue. So back over here, Tosos can only offer this advice that you should not schmooze between the last bracha and Shemona Esrei. However, he says there's still somewhat of a chiyuv. You should connect the two. Meaning, and that's how he leaves it. And it's a little, uh, it's like incomplete. The idea is almost like incomplete. He's saying we should treat it as if there is no room for interruption at all. However, Rav Amram Gon clearly paskined that the requirement to connect Geula Latfila in Mariv is not as potent as the requirement of Shafras. So is Tosca saying you, know, you should connect to Is he advocating no Chatzikadish? He's not. He is saying the Chatzikadish. So, so, so what does he mean when he says you should? He's allowing the Chatzi Kaddish because there is a view that says Arvis is Rishus, that the Marav Shemona Esrei is optional. Which, and if it's optional, let me put it this way. If the requirement of the Marav Shemona Esrei is optional, then you can't tell me that the requirement to connect Shema Gali to Shemona Esrei is absolute because the connection between something that A and B, if B doesn't even have to be there, it's like the bridge to nowhere. I don't have to worry about it at all. So he's saying, so we say Marv, meaning we daven Marv Shmona Esrei. So since we daven a Marv Shmona Esrei, connect it. Since you don't have to, the way that the rabbis, by rabbis, I mean Rav Amram go indicated that there's a level of optionality to it was by having the Chatzikadosh in there. And if you're making a face, I understand you. Meaning it's there is something there that is less than fully satisfying. And he leaves it this way. But that doesn't seem to satisfy Tostas with the remarking made. That is true. I'll read the words here. If you say that these two halachos are contradicting one another, 
because we paskin feels average resource, the Hachabaskinan, but over here, this Gemara in Andalad, we paskin Kribyokanan. Okay. we have to say the Phil Isover of Yokanan Kirav, the Omar Shosi. Even if Ribyokanan were to paskin like Rav and say it's Rishos, you still have to connect them. So too, we should connect them. The connection is not as absolute as the connection of Shafras. Yes. He says the language is Nachon Lahachmir. Um, means to talk, sipur. What are you at? Krishna, right? I'll show you, we'll do one short last hosus here. Go all the way to Chof Zion Amud Beis, which is 27B. If you have the old Salgamaras that have the English numbers on that side, then it's page 54. I don't know if our scroll has 27B in volume yeah, it one. It does. it does? Okay. This Gemara, Chav Zainamad Beis, is the location of the Gemara that has this machlokas, whether Arvis is Rishus or Chova, whether Mariv is an obligation or is optional. This was the big, this actually resulted in a major political upheaval, <laughs> a major political upheaval. This is what got Rabbi Gamliel impeached for a time. He had a disagreement with Rabbi Yehoshua. Okay, and Rabbi Gamliel disagreed. Rabbi Gamliel said, you have to daven Marav Shmon Rabbi Yehoshua said, Rishos. When, however, he knew that that wasn't Rabbi Gamliel's opinion. I'm now paraphrasing the whole story in Anchav Zayin. But Rabbi Gamaliel knew that Rabbi Yeshua held, that, held of this opinion. And he wanted Rabbi Yeshua to publicly retract his opinion. And actually, and in order to make him publicly do so, 
resulted in a public, almost like a, a public shaming of Rabbi Yeshua to retract his position. Rabbi Yeshua was a good soldier and he did retract his position, at least publicly. However, for the time, because it was done in such a public, embarrassing way, people were upset with Rungam Liel, and he was, I'm using the word impeached. I don't know if that's the accurate word, but he was impeached for a little bit of time until he resolved matters with Rabbi Yeshua. And this is the story, by the way, which brings Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria to be the leader and all of the interesting Pesach, the, the Haggadah mentions Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria. All of that is part of this history. But in the conclusion of it, meaning in the Gemara, the Gemara relates that even though Rabbi Gamliel strong on Rabbi Yeshua into accepting his position, that it's an obligation, when the issue continued to be discussed a century later, Rav and Rabbi Yochanan were debating this very issue. And Rav said it was Rishus. And the Gemara concluded by saying, de Rav. The halacha is like Rav, that it is Rishus. Meaning again, Marev Shmona Esrit. Which then leads us to this mini Tosos over here. On Chavzayin Umedbeis, the very last mini Tosa, I call it mini because it's so short. V'hilchaza kavase derav. You see the words there? The halacha is in accordance with Rav. V'nira, and it seems, says Tosos, the outside column there. D'lekach tiknu psukim b'kadish ben geula letfila. That it is, it is because of this that they instituted verses and Kaddish between Geula, meaning Gal Yisrael Hashkivenu, and Tefillah. he because it's all optional. Meaning you're having a distinct, you know what is the equivalent of? Another topic mentioned in Brachos, which is a funny halacha, but we all do it. But maybe you don't know why we do it. In benching. Those of you who are eating lunch before this, you're going to bench. And you're going to say, Baruch Hashem, Bonei Barachamav Yerushalayim, Amen. Why are you saying Amen? We don't say Amen after our own brachos. We all know this. The Gemara actually says it's, it's considered obnoxious or rude to say Amen after your own bracha. You say Amen after someone else's bracha. Why do you say Amen after Yerushalayim in benching? To show, the Gemara says, and there's a difference here in how to view the explanation of the Gemara. This will be for another time. But I'll just summarize right now to show you that the first three brachos of benching are, have concluded. And you, how do you show that, they, that real benching has concluded? By saying Amen. What about the nether? There's a bracha that comes right after it. Now I'm going to leave aside all the extended parts of benching, harachman, which according to some are part of the extended. But there's another bracha. That's a bracha. Why are you saying amen? Benching hasn't really concluded. So what it says, because that, that bracha was extra to benching and was instituted later. It's not optional but it's at a different level of 
obligation. So in order to make a clear demarcation between the first three brachas of benching and the subsequent part of benching, you say amen. Because it's benching. We're not converting to Chatsi Kaddish in benching, right? Over here, Botosis is saying, you notice, he's adding a few things. He's saying not just the Chatsi Kaddish. Tosis here, our third Tosis of this trifecta over here, he's saying the verses too. Meaning the, the rabbis would have no business throwing those psukim in, even if it's for a good reason. Poor guy, you have this guy, the slow davener over there. You gotta, you don't want him to, you know, walk home late at night in the dark. Who knows what'll get him? You know, coyotes, mazikin, you know, thieves, you know. Make a new bracha, add a lot of psukim. But Tosas here, Chav Zion, is saying, yeah, that's all nice. They wouldn't have done that unless Tefilas Arvis was Rishos. That gave them the wiggle room to extend all sorts of things uh, after that. Okay? So that is, now there's another one in Megillah, but I want to keep here to brachos. So here we have, these are the three that each one sort of contributing to the conversation. The first one mentioning how you can say a bracha. The second one gives a different explanation. It doesn't say why you say a bracha. He says why you say the psukim. And he says the bracha, because let's face it, the bracha is short. The psukim are what take up almost a whole page. You know, yiru neinu is just, is much shorter, right? So all those psukim are there to stretch out davening. The bracha afterwards is just so you'll take the psukim seriously. <laughs> then at the end, but also chatzikadish is an issue. And then the third tosos on chavzayin about chatzikadish, he puts chatzikadish and the psukim all together in the same boat and saying all of this is only there because Tfilas Arvis is Rishus. Okay, now, if Tfilas Arvis is Rishus, meaning the Marv Shemana Esrei is all optional, then the whole issue of interruption is really not, he's saying, is maybe not that big of a deal. It's a big, it's a deal, but not that big of a deal. Now, this is what I said. Rabbis don't want this known, meaning I don't want this known, because imagine. It's like an invitation for everyone to start schmoozing, right? Nobody wants that part. I mean, you know, you have shuls where, where people feel that a certain part of davening is not to be taken as seriously. That's their opening to start talking. That's what I was saying. I know someone. It was a very sad kind of situation. There was a, a fellow. Um, I think I was already here. I was already living here. I went back to Baltimore on one of our visits to Baltimore. And I stopped in yeshiva, and I met a fellow there who I knew was recently married. And he started, because he's like, this is the danger of knowing a little too much. He started to make a whole argument to me that he really didn't feel like davening marv with a minion. And he said, what do I have to daven with a minion? Don't we paskin that tefillas arvis rishos? So if tefillas arvis is rishos, I can't it at home. You know, like he, he just had this attitude of, of taking the thing a little more leniently, which I felt was not 
you know, not a healthy thing to do. But look, it's, it is what it is, right? That, that's what it says. So now I am going to read from you. We could go and cover a lot more, but I'm skipping all the way to the way it's phrased in Shulchan Aruch. Okay? So Tosos is writing this. All those Tosos are written in the 1100s. So I'm skipping a lot of conversations over the course of the next 400 years. And I'm going to the mid-1500s right now. Okay? Mid-1500s is when Rabbi Yosef Kair was writing the Shulchan Aruch. So in the his halachos of Mariv and his halachos of Kriyashma, he first opens by saying, quoting the Mishnah that we saw in Beis Hamadal, "Be'erev mevarav shtaim l'tnei Kriyashma u'shtaim la'akareha." At Mariv, two brachos before Shema and two brachos after Shema. Then he uses Tosfos's language. Get a load of this. Ein l'saper bein geula da'arvus l'tfila. One should not talk. Uses the word saper. He could have said ain lifso, no ain hepsik, no interruption. He says you should not talk between the ghoul of Mariv and Avni. He says, Ve'af lomer He says, even those people who are accustomed to saying the 18 verses and the bracha of Yiru Eneinu, Latfila should still not make any interruptions between the concluding bracha of Yiru and Shmona Esrei. But then he says, first of all, he says, but you can announce that Yalav Yavo, you can say it's Rosh Chodesh, Bein Kaddish Latfila, between Kaddish, because that's for the purpose of davening. Now, look, this next halacha I'm going to read, I'm still reading in the Shulchan Aruch. Halacha Gimel, this is, if you're interested in looking all of this up, in the Mishabur, it's the, the ending uh, chapters of Helik Beis. Chatzik Kaddish, he just says, he doesn't even mention it at this point. He doesn't say it at all. He doesn't mention that it's even... Wait, wait, hold on, because this is the, this is a really zinger here. What if a guy walks into Shul, this is Shulchan Aruch, and he says they already said Shema, and they want to get up to Davin Shman meaning they're at that point. So what should he do then? The Shulchan Aruch says, Davin Shman Esrei with them. He's talking about Maariv. And then afterwards, say Shema and the Brachos. Which means some a halacha that does not exist at Shachris. A Shachris, if a person shows a plate, so tough. Just Davin, at least Birchos Kriyashma in order, leading up to Shmona Esrei. Do not just say Shmona Esrei with them if it means you're not saying Birchos Kriyashma and Shma first. But that's not the case at Mara. Okay? So what we have over here is. Very clearly, where she, the Shulchan Aruch is saying, right, if it wasn't Rishos, you couldn't have said that, because you're doing exactly what Rabbi doesn't want you to do. So clearly, Marav Shmanesre is a little wishy-washy something. There's wiggle room here. What? Do what? Yeah. 
say you're going to spend cash. Yeah. For a market, you can extend it much further. So you should say it's going to start with Singapore, and then you can say it's going to on your own. Who says we're at the last minute? Meaning, if you're dominating chakras at 6.45 or 7, you still will have time. Meaning, if running social and creation is 9, 10 o'clock, whatever it is, that's not an issue. I'll give you another example. The next chapter, which is one line, it's just funny. Whenever Shulchan Aruch devotes a whole chapter to one line, he says here in chapter, this is 237. There is no Chazar Sashats at Marib. Okay. Why is he saying that? Again, so this is a better definition of what Tfilas Arvis Rishus means. Because look, you should dominate. And in Yeshiva, they were always very clear so that no Bakram should get any ideas. They said, look, it's already been established as an obligation, meaning the Jewish people accepted Marish Manasrei as something that they need to do. And therefore, Everyone should do it, and nobody should think that there's any wiggle room. Even though the halachos of Marav scream that there's wiggle room, you should know spiritually that you should not consider that there is any wiggle room. And they, right, that's the uh, the healthier way uh, to go about it. Yeah. I'm listening. I don't understand the, your question. It's clear that even though Tosos has been mentioning Yeruei Neino, and you might say, oh, this is an Ashkenaziism. Sfardi Sidurim do have this bracha. They do exist in many Sfardi Sidurim. Now, what is not mentioned, meaning Mishabura doesn't go at length, he mentions it somewhere, but he doesn't spend too much time on it, is that, and this I think is somewhat well known, especially to people who have visited Israel, is that there are poskim, Achronim, who rely on what Tosa said on Bez Omidalek, that in a place where there is not a concern, not to say it. Meaning that it is somewhat time dependent. I don't mean it's, first of all, time of day dependent, but not only time of day dependent. Tosus is saying, it's time of history dependent. He's saying it was only in those days that they said it, right? So based on this, there are poskim, the two most well-known poskim who have discussed this issue, and with this will close. One is the Vilna Gaon, and the other one is the Balatanya. <laughs> which is very interesting if you know your Jewish history because they were at the focal point of the major dispute between Hasidim and Misnagdim in the late 1700s 
In fact, the Balatanya made travel to Vilna with one of his elder colleagues to go meet the Vilna Gon so they could resolve the Hasidic Misnagdic issue. And the Vilna Gon refused to meet with them. This is documented on both sides. Everyone agrees to this. And the Vilna Gon wrote a whole cherem against the Balatanya. There was a lot of tension back in the day. And this is, like I said, this is the late 1700s. And yet, on this point, there was, and a few other issues as well, interesting, also related to Kriyashma. They both, both have the same Zman Kriyashma, which is a topic for another shir. Meaning, if you ever notice, when you look in a the calendar, they often up two times for what's the latest time to say Shema. There's an earlier time and a later time, depending on how you view how to split the day up. Is it dawn to, to stars out or is it sunrise to sunset? So both the Vilna Gon and the Balatanya agree that it's sunrise to sunset, which leads to a later Zman. In any case, on this point, they, were, they found themselves in agreement that if there is no longer a concern for danger of Mazikin and such, and we don't have our shuls in the fields with all of that, then Baruch Hashem La'olam, while it was fine for whichever rabbis instituted back in the times of the Gaonim, if there's no need for it, it's a hefsek. Which is why a shul that adheres to the minhagim of the Vilna Gaon does not say Baruch Hashem La'olam. They still say the Chatzikadosh, though. They still say, nobody takes out the Chatzikadosh. Chatzikadosh is universal. Right, it's a clear distinction, meaning just because something is rishus doesn't mean that there's no, that if there is something that's considered a hefzik, you shouldn't say it. The Balatanya, which is what Lubavitch Nusach, Nusachari, also leave it out. Now, the Lubavitch Sidurim, there is a note that they put in. It says that many kihilos say Baruch Hashem Olam. They, they, they have on what to rely. And they're not saying it's invalid. They say they have on what to rely. But Darposkim, who consider it to be a hepsik, and that's why they don't say it. So that's why they don't say it. They sell Chatzikadish. Now, an interesting point, and on this point, there's a little bit of a divergence. And for the life of me, I feel bad. It's 25 years ago. I don't remember what they did in Israel. Like, I simply can't remember. But I know the note that appears in the Lubavitch Sidurim says, if you don't say Baruch Hashem La'olam, you shouldn't be saying the Shamru either. There's no difference. On Friday night, you should not be saying the Shamru. Before the Chatzikadosh. Or Vaidaber or any of the other psukim that we say on Yontif. Because as he says, it's the same issue. My memory vague, though. I remember someone who told me he was in a shul where they did not say Baruch Hashem La'olam, but they did say Vishamar on Friday night. I can't remember what they did in Israel. I was in Davening you know, from Elul I left before Pesach. I cannot remember what they did. But anyway, so there's a little, there's, um, if anyone can remember what they did. Now, why is Israel different? What does Israel have to do with anything? Because this doesn't apply to all of Israel. I remember I went to Stavon Marev. I had a great aunt who lived in a town north of Haifa called Tivon, Kiryat Tivon. I remember that, I remember, even though it was eight years earlier. I remember Davening Marev and Tivon in the shul there. 
And they distinctly remembered them saying, Bar Hashem Le'olam, Amen, Amen. They did say it. However, in Yerushalayim, and many of the Frum communities in Shul and are were originally rooted in the Yishuv, when the Yishuv moved to Yerushalayim, the Ashkenazi community of Yerushalayim was based on the from the Talmidim of the Vilna Gaon. So since they're from the Talmidim of the Vilna Gaon, they don't say it. And this became somewhat widespread among the Ashkenazi community. And somehow, it's interesting, it, you end up that the situation in Israel today is that most of all the shuls, regardless of community, Ashkenaz, Sfardi, Sfard, Skip Baruch Hashem La'olam. Even though it's on record, and I saw this in two different Sfarim, that they say, they, there are people who know this, who knew this, that the Baal Shemko, the founder of Hasidus, was especially fond of Baruch Hashem La'olam. <laughs> he, Dafka, did say it. So, which is interesting, because the Baal Tanya, obviously, is part of Hasidus, but Baltanya had a certain halachic mind as well, and was very halachically concerned. So he, since he started as a hefsek, even though his rebbe's rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, loved saying Baruch Hashem Le'olam, he, uh, uh, the, the Baltanya didn't. Then this leads to one more thing, and to this I'll really close, that Nusuf Sfard, because it says, oh, they were out in the fields, so there is a view within the Nusach Sfar community, it doesn't really exist among Ashkenazim, that says that it only applies at the end of a work day. What do they mean by work day? On a day you do melacha, which means, and I believe I've never done in Matzah Shabbos Mariv as if in Chaim. So somebody, if somebody could uh, investigate this if you, or remember this if you do. I've been told that there are shuls like the Shtibel where they don't say Baruch Hashem Le'olam on Motzei Shabbos and Motzei Yantin. So it's an interesting little twist to the various minhagim uh, that exist in this regard. So, yes. Uh, question. So, before the Shulanoros was written, what was the practice? I mean, it didn't have a, a common rule. It seems like Shulanoros brought everything in focus and set the standards. Uh, what was uh, the practice before that, before the Shulanoros was written? So the practice before, and after this, I'll turn off the recording, even though we can continue talking, is that there were postcom like Tosas who said that it's, a, it's something that we say, but he offered some room, if a, because one of Tosas's opinions was that if it doesn't apply anymore, then there might have been some shuls, not in Ashkenaz, but it sounds like the Shulchan Aruch says there, and those people who say Yiru so that there might have been poskim who ruled for their own communities, at least among the Sfarim, not not to say Baruch Hashem Le'olam. Uh, 